welcome back to the podcast on Germany. My name is Jacob, and this is episode 27, Should We Cross the Rhine? So, last we talked, Augustus had united Rome's territories into an empire, after a century of civil war and strife. He had conquered the Swiss Alps, and was starting to build up defenses, or points, to launch invasions into Germania, when in 16 BC, disaster struck, as the Romans' old nemesis, the Sugambri, raided the Roman border and decimated the 5th legion under Marcus Lollius. Now, as we pointed out, this was all caused by Marcus. He had become way too impatient, and he wanted to look good. He had no respect for these pesky Germans, and thought that the one legion he had at hand would be enough to settle the problem. Now, as we know, that wasn't the case. Marcus and what remained of that legion had to flee the field, making the Sagambri hotheads extremely happy, but probably making their leader, Mello, groan, because this was clearly not going the way he was hoping. Yes, he defeated the Romans, but that's just going to make him really mad. And that's the last thing you need when you're trying to make peace. Because after all, with the Romans, once you get them upset, they get really vindictive. But for now, Mello had completed his goal of securing control of the Rhine and pushing the Romans away. The question was, what's going to happen next? But we don't know what's going to happen with Mello, from his point of view at least. We don't know what his plan was now that he's conquered this side of the Rhine. For Marcus, on the other hand, well, he needed to move fast. First of all, a little thing about Marcus is he owed this position thanks to his friendship with Augustus. He had proven himself a little bit before, but Augustus had really seen him as a frontline commander and had decided to test him here at the Rhine, and boy, oh boy, that was not working out well. He had just made his boss look bad. And this isn't just like your typical CEO. This is the emperor of the Roman Empire. He has all the power. And so making him look bad, that's not a great way to keep your job. And it could also not be good to keep your life. And so Marcus probably sent back to Augustus letter saying, Oh, <laughs> hey, uh, what? What do you... No, there's been no defeat. No, we're fine. It was a strategical redeployment to the rear at uh, double time. We're, we're fine. We're fine. Yet, yeah, not a defeat. Uh, don't worry about this. We got them on the ropes. Uh, you don't need to come. We're, we're cool. And Augustus would have replied, Yeah, uh-huh. I'm on my way. You better clean this up now. Or there's going to be hell to pay. And unfortunately for Marcus, Augustus left immediately. He headed directly to Gaul because he could not risk an open rebellion, a war breaking out in this area that he's trying to make into a province. And for Marcus, this means at best he's going to have the emperor, who's upset with him, breathing down his neck. And at worst, it means that the emperor, who's already upset, well, could possibly cut off that neck. 
Either way, it's not something that Marcus wants. So Marcus quickly gathers the rest of the legions that he had command of, and who were already on their way if he had just waited for them. He gathers them, and he marches, and he pushes the Sugambri out. And Mello is like, okay, yeah, sure. You way outnumber us. We're falling back. The Sugambri give up all the land they just took. And Marcus, in a hurry to make peace and to look good and say, hey, I've finished this up. Well, he lets the Sugambri off with like a little slap on the wrist. Just don't do that again. You're free to go. Now, for Mello, this is amazing. Uh, he knew he was in huge trouble when a bunch of Roman troops were killed by his men. He expected this to go terribly. Instead, not only did he defeat a Roman legion, giving him some street cred in Germany, but the Romans made peace without any complaint. Huh. He doesn't have to worry about his lands getting burnt. He's okay. He's just got to give up everything he just took. That's fine. He'll gladly give that up. And so when Augustus arrives in the Gaul, he finds that Marcus has reconquered the territory that was lost, he's pushed the Sugambri out, and he's made peace with them. Not a peace that makes the Romans look really good, but a peace anyway. However, this does not mean that Augustus forgets about Germania. He doesn't go, okay, that's nice, we're done over there, let's move on to another part of the empire. No, 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 no. Augustus now has it in his mind that the Rhine is not as secure as it could be, or as it should be. And he questions if it can be secured. It's a very long border. Right now, the Roman Empire goes from the Rhine all the way down to the Alps. And then the Alps form a land barrier that goes all the way over. And it's not really hooked up yet, but eventually it will reach the Danube. This is a very long border for him to cover. Especially all the way over here in a territory that he's still trying to make into a province of Rome. It's going to be a pain. And so Augustus... Augustus is wondering, is the Rhine good enough? Is there another border that would be better? He's got the Danube almost pinned down. There's a couple more tribes he's got to deal with. He's got to spread a little bit further. And that's a pretty good border there. But the Rhine, the Rhine, is that where he wants to stop? And so for the next three years, Augustus will stay in Gaul. Part of his work here is to Romanize Gaul. He is establishing cities. He's establishing government. He's trying to make Gaul into a Roman province. And while he's here, he's introducing some major reorganizations in the military leadership, hint, hint, Marcus. He's upgrading its defenses against raiders from land and sea. And he's putting in a new mint in Lyon. Now, this new mint will allow him to coin money, which will help pay for troops that may or may not be stationed on the Rhine, or maybe being sent to the Rhine to prepare for a possible invasion. A mint here allows coins 
to be sent quickly to these troops to keep them happy. It allows for the Romans to quickly purchase supplies to send to the forts. It gives them a lot of control that they need. Another thing that Augustus does while he's in Gaul is that he sends out Agrippa. You remember Agrippa. He was the governor of Gaul. Well, he sends them out to go make a map of Germania. And he sends them with a couple of Greek freedmen. And they're to make a very good, very detailed map of Germany. Now, Agrippa was sent because he had experience in the area. He knew who to talk to. He had some knowledge of the land himself. And he was very trustworthy. Now, why would the Romans need a map of Germania, especially a very detailed map? I doubt it's because it looked really good. Now, unfortunately, we don't have this map anymore. It's lost to us. But we have references of it. We know that it existed. And we also know that it wasn't complete by the time of Agrippa's death. So, we have this buildup of supplies. We have this buildup of defenses. We have this mint being built. We have this map being built. But Augustus still isn't 100% sure on whether or not he's going to invade. He hasn't decided, yes, we're going to do this. Or, no, 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 let's stay on the defenses. He's still, should I stay or should I go? His worry is that invading Germany wouldn't be enough. He'd have to stretch himself. He had to keep pushing further and further north and east until he found a suitable defensive border. And from what he served from Agrippa... And from other traders, this could be the Elbe, maybe the Ode, or the Vistua. And these would shorten his defensive line into an L-shape. It would take these rivers down to the Carpathian Mountains, or a little bit west of them. And then from there, it would go down to the Danube. However... That's a lot of land he has to conquer between the Rhine and the Elbe, or the Oder, or the Vistula. That's a lot of land he has to conquer. And this large enterprise would be another undertaking, just like Julius Caesar's Gallic campaign. And after all the episodes we just spent on it, you know that that was not an easy thing. I mean, we just covered the peripheries with Germany being involved. That was a pain for Caesar. And for Augustus to do that while he's trying to rule an empire, that would be a pain as well. And so all of these negative things are plaguing Augustus. And he's indecisive for a while on whether or not he should go or just stay and reinforce the border on the Rhine. Another question that he has to deal with is who should he send to lead his campaign? First of all, he needs someone who has some experience on this front. He can't really send a general that's been over east. He needs someone who has experience fighting the tribes in the area, who has at least some knowledge of the land. That kind of narrows his options. First, there's Agrippa. We all know Agrippa. Governor of Gaul, he's made some wonderful maps. Well, he's making some wonderful maps, at least, of Germania for the emperor He's been a good friend of the emperor. However, 
at this point, he's had a sort of a falling out with the Emperor because of the Empress. She got very jealous of Agrippa. And so Agrippa was pushed out of favor. So he's out. Well, next we have Marcus. You know, the guy who almost lost the Legion because he thought the Germans were going to be a pushover. Yeah, I'm I'm not so sure about him. I don't think anyone would want him to lead this grand campaign after that uh, last fiasco, so he's out. Sorry. Well, who does that leave? And that's another problem for Augustus. He's wondering who could lead this attack. Who could he trust to command such an expedition? Luckily enough, the answer comes from his empress. Or, rather, his empress's sons. Now, they're not Augustus's sons. These are sons that his wife had before she married Augustus. These two sons were Drusus, Nero, Claudius, and Tiberius. And Tiberius, as we know, will be an emperor later on. And Drusius was his younger brother. They were both stepsons of Augustus. They were both extremely loyal to their stepfather. And they were going to prove themselves in the Alps. See, in the Alps, they would fight against a local tribe, the Rahtii. This tribe had been ambushing travelers and plundering Gaul and northern Italy, and were famous for murdering their prisoners. Now, they were allies of old, and had been allowed to exist because of that. Now they were a problem. And so, in 15 BC, Drusius, only 23 years old, along with his 27-year-old brother Tiberius, rampage throughout the country and take several members of this tribe as prisoners and sell them as slaves. This campaign is over really fast. It gains Rome another province. It brings a bunch of slaves into Rome, making Augustus and his family really rich. And it makes Augustus look really good because this was his own family who did this for the Roman Empire. Now, even though these two had proven themselves as good warriors and being able to work well with one another, they had differentiating opinions on what to do about Germania, what to do about the German problem. For Drusus, who was considered highly charismatic, Germany was the next Gaul, just waiting to be conquered. This was his chance to prove that he was everything that Julius Caesar was and make himself worthy to be Augustus or his brother's heir. However, his brother Tiberius, who was more brooding and tongue-tied, also a very private individual, well, he believed that the invasion was unnecessary and just really a waste of time. Why expand the borders? There's nothing in Germany that we need, that we could want. We just build up on the Rhine. We focus on building Gaul up into a proper province. We're good to go. 
and both of these brothers give their cases to Augustus. And Augustus sort of favors Drusius because, well, he's the more charismatic of the two. He's younger, he's ambitious, he's wanting to do all of this for the empire to improve the family name. Tiberius, he's just spouting logic. Isn't that meh? And as luck would have it, things really favor Drusius. Because the brothers are forced to split. During the conquest of Pannonia, which is in modern-day Croatia in 13 BC, there is a threat to the empire, and Augustus decided, ah, screw it, let's just conquer that territory and pacify it. And so he sent his friend that he was trying to build a stronger relationship with Agrippa to conquer that territory for the empire. However, Agrippa died while on campaign due to illness, losing Caesar a very valuable and seasoned commander, but also putting him in a position where he needed to put another experienced and seasoned commander in an active campaign, and one that was close enough to get there in time. Luckily enough, Tiberius was close enough, and so Augustus sent Tiberius to go lead this intense campaign, and he would do so for the next four years. Now, you're probably going, I thought you said that Augustus liked Drusius. Why wouldn't he send Drusius to go do this? That's because Drusius, at this point, was governor of Gaul. And guess who else was in Gaul? That's right, Augustus. And so while Tiberius was on the other side of Italy, fighting, too busy to talk to the emperor other than giving updates and occasional letters, Drusius was right there at his stepfather's side, talking to him, presenting his case. And he pushed for Augustus to make the new border the Elbe, shorten his defensive line, conquer all this territory. There would be other advantages, not only to just shortening the defensive line, he would also be given access to a lot of timber. There was tons of force, unconquered in Germania, that could be used to support the growing industries in Rome. There was also plenty of farmland. Now, they knew the land wasn't as farmable as in Gaul, or at least they assumed it wasn't, but there was still some farmland that they could use, more land that they could give to veterans of the loyal Roman legions, allow them to continue to have a loyal army. This would also give them slaves, which would boost the wealth of the empire and boost the wealth of the emperor who took all these slaves. Now, for Drusius, this was all about the fame. This was all about, hey, I conquered Germany. I am Germanicus. Okay, look at me. I'm cool. But for Augustus, it was important that Drusius was presenting these points to him about the advantages, about the shortening of the line, maybe of the increase of wealth from the slaves, from the timber. Because for Augustus, that was the important thing. And so, Augustus started to lean towards Drusus's plan. And Drusus began to prepare for a possible invasion of Germany. 
However, <laughs> this is going to be delayed thanks to an uprising in Gaul. And this is caused because of the increased taxation and the Romanization that was going on in the area. And Drusius gets sidetracked with this. He's got to put it down, restore Roman order. But while he's putting down this rebellion, he continues to build up on the Rhine. He builds several forts, over 50. Bridges were built. Small fleets were built all along the river. And these fleets would be used to help supply the army as they could go up the Rhine out to the coast or take from the Rhine to other tributaries. Now, these forts weren't just established as defensive positions. They were also established as excellent invasion points. And this is the primary reason why Drusius placed them there. He wanted points of easy access into Germany. And to spearhead this invasion, in total, he had seven legions at hand. Seven legions that he could call upon to go and invade Germany. But even with this, even with the power of seven legions, even with the buildup of the forts, the bridges, and the ships, the Romans don't invade. Not yet. discuss where that little push comes from. We will discuss Drusius' first moves to gain allies in Germania. And we will be discussing his first invasion into Germany. Let's pause for a second. The reason why we're getting back to the story in two weeks is because we are doing a special episode next week with histories, mysteries, and conspiracies. We are discussing the death of Ludwig II of Bavaria. He's a king who was deposed for possible reasons of insanity, and then three days later was found dead in a lake. So, we'll be discussing his death, his reign, and whether or not he truly was insane. So keep an eye out for that next week. I'm not exactly sure when it will be out. Uh, depends on how the editing process goes. But I'll keep you up to date. Until then, I hope you have a great week. And I'll see you next time.